0: Oh, my
1: And whatever knows fear, burns at the touch of waffles. I'm Matt, and I'm here with Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, hey. And uh, this week's Waffles is all about Man-Thing. I guess the secret origin of this show is, uh, I was looking for a co-host, uh, Jeremy stepped up. Thank you, Jeremy. And, um, Happy to be here. Our our shared fascination with the, I don't know if it's fair to say obscure Marvel Comics character Man-Thing, um, but... Definitely mm. B lister. B to C, yeah. B, B to C list Marvel Comics character, Man Thing, has been the inspiration for this program, uh, as well as 15 in Fairness. and Fairness. We're going to have someone in to talk about that at the top of the hour on 9 o'clock. Uh,
2: like Marvel's melancholy muck monster, uh, 15 and Fairness refuses to die, even when its enemies, be they greedy developers or uh, neoconservative premiers, uh, you know, try to take us apart.
1: Yes. Uh, so a bit about, I guess, a bit about Man Thing before we get going. Man Thing mm-hmm. is in the fine tradition of. Of comic book swamp creatures uh, first came out in I don't remember
2: when I feel like early 70s yeah like 72 73 I think
1: and in a weird coincidence and sort of to this day they swear that the two things just evolved it's like the time there were two meteor movies in the same year mm-hmm. uh, basically Man-Thing launched at almost exactly the same time as the DC Comics character Swamp Thing so in brief and uh, I think you're, you're you're probably more recently versed in Man-Thing lore than I am so correct me if I'm wrong about any of this sure but there's a scientist, a guy named Ted Salas. And, like many scientists do, he decided to conduct his research in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're going to do research, uh, do it in the swamp. It's I think private. he's researching, like, invulnerability or something. It's some sort of thing where it's related to stuff in the swamp. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's not like looking into new microchips and decides to hive in the swamp. It's nah. a
2: swamp related research. You want to see if you're invulnerable to, like, mosquitoes and, like, uh, beaver fever before you, like, step up to, like, bullets and lasers. There you
1: go. Mm-hmm. So he's in the swamp, he's doing his research. And he runs afoul of evil. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's government agency.
2: Kind no, of it's like a secret uh, anti-government. It's like, uh, who is it that fights S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like with the red Hydra. Spell? Hydra. It's like somehow a Hydra thing. And his, his girlfriend, his fiance or his wife, Ellen Salas, betrays him to these secret agents. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, so basically, he runs afoul of a dark cabal. They murder him and blow up his lab, but in fact, he does not die. His body is absorbed into the swamp and he is reborn along with his super serum. That's how he gets reborn as a superhero and not like a swamp corpse, but not even a superhero. No, There's, this is the thing about man thing. The best thing
1: is man thing. And this is a this is a writing challenge for for original creator and author Steve Gerber, <laughs> super hippie a, of the 60s and 70s. It's
2: a huge writing challenge they deal with every week.
1: <laughs> uh, Man-Thing has no brain. Mm-hmm. He's got no motivation. He is a completely sort of inert monster that is completely reactive to things that cross his path.
2: And actually never knows what's going on at any
1: moment. No. He's, it's basically he's a vegetable. Yeah. And uh, basically things cross his path. And the logline for Man-Thing is, whatever knows fear burns at the touch of the Man-Thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, wandering through the swamp and you know fear... Man-Thing's going to
2: sort of lurch out and grab you and you'll burn. He hates fear. That's the thing. Like, he's pretty mellow about everything else, but for some reason he has this, like, strong, uh, like, he gets fired up when someone gets angry and he'll grab them and they'll melt. And
1: so imagine them. a giant empathic carrot that lives in the swamp and the, will kill
2: you if you're scared of it. But also looks like a like a two-ton pile of garbage. With glowing red eyes. Yeah. So He's it, great. He's scary looking. Yes. So I think kind of
1: whatever knows fear burns at the touch of the Man-Thing is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because when you see him, you'll know fear, because oh. he's pretty spooky. And then he'll start to burn you, and I think being burnt uh, also inspires fear. Uh-huh. So basically, avoid Man-Thing is kind of one of the, the big Man-Thing survival principles. Just don't deal with Man-Thing at all. Uh-huh. Uh, I first found out about Man-Thing because I was a little nerd and loved Spider-Man. And Man-Thing appears in a Marvel team-up at some point, uh, where Spider-Man teams up with Man-Thing. And, again, uh, not exactly the best guy to team up with. Uh, but Steve Gerber, who created Man-Thing, was a weirdo. hmm And very quickly, since Man-Thing has no agency and uh, is basically inert, he has to develop an entire cosmology around Man-Thing, which quickly turns into... The place where Ted Salas died is also the nexus of all realities. Crazy coincidence. So every single dimension also sort of merges where the the swamp is. And so all sorts of crazy things happen coming through different realities and et cetera, et cetera. Including, among other things, and we'll get to this, Howard the Duck. Yeah. Uh, Which quickly eclipsed Man-Thing in terms of being the big famous thing that came out of the Man-Thing comic. Mm. Howard the Duck was huge in the 70s. Man-Thing's way better, though. So we're going to be playing all sorts of songs, some related directly to Man-Thing. There are a surprising number of songs about Man-Thing, songs about the swamp. We got a couple of songs called Swamp Thing in honor of DC's competing swamp character. Inferior. Uh, and, in fact, the Swamp Thing songs have nothing to do with the comic character Swamp uh-huh. Thing. Uh, but we're going to kick it off. This was Jeremy's This was Jeremy's get. Cleeden's Curl Auto Revival, Born on the Bio, which is where, of course, the Swamp Thing came to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, Duke Ellington and Swamp Fire there just because we like to play jazz off the top of the show, and it's got the word swamp in it. And after that, very recently, still new, uh, the Mountain Goats recently released an EP called Hex of Infinite Binding, uh, where the title, the first track is called Song for Ted Salas. Which is Swamp Things pre or Man Things pre Man Thing name?
2: I haven't heard this yet. Is it a tender ballad about the scientist turned swamp creature?
1: It is a tender ballad. It is is in uh, Mountain Goats kind of go for bangers Mm-mm. or rumination, and this yeah. is on the rumination side of the the Mountain Goat spectrum. Uh, I don't really see a lot of direct connection between. The titular Ted Sallis of the song and the Marvel Comics character, Man-Thing, it's a pretty oblique reference. I think he's speaking to themes of alienation Mm. and loneliness and feeling adrift in the world and, of course, being killed by a sinister cabal and dying in the swamp and turning into a shambling mock monster of a man. We've all been there. Who hasn't? I think, basically, Man-Thing is the story of us all. So let's contemplate this as we listen to Creedence Clearwater Revival kicking us off with Born on the Bayou here on CFRC.
3: into the source of the scroll For some as yet undiscovered isotope. No skin like the skin you woke up in. No skin like the skin you woke up in. When at last the dye gets numbers out loud with your head bowed try to find a face to focus on but the memory's gone wherever my former self went It was an accident Try to picture him in my mind
4: Like me, you sometimes find Mondays to be a bit of a drag. Why don't you try out some really neat music? I have a show on CFRC 101.9 FM titled Dark Glasses. It's an eclectic mix of everything from jazz to folk to indie to musicals. You'll hear everything from Sonny Rollins and Dizzy Gillespie all the way to Gordon Lightfoot and Moon Road. So tune in Mondays at 2.30 to Dark Glasses on CFRC 101.9 FM.
1: I will. That was Principal Daniel Wolf. His show is Dark Glasses is on on Mondays. And this is Waffles and CFRC. I'm Matt. I'm here with Jeremy. Howdy. Uh, and today's show is all about Man-Thing and 15 for Fairness. But Man-Thing first, 15 mm-hmm. for fa- Man-Thing first, Fairness second. <laughs> because Man-Thing is intrinsically unfair. His
2: life is super unfair.
1: Well, his life is unfair and he himself is also unfair. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad or if you're, mm-hmm. if you're doing right or doing wrong. Uh, if you know fear, you'll... Now, Steve Gerber goes to great lengths to kind of ensure that man thinks wrath is channeled towards evildoers.
2: Yeah, they kind of... They, they have, as you said in the first segment, like, these writing challenges where it's like, okay, so he has, like, no free will or no ambition or no consciousness, yet we have to tell a story here that's somewhat entertaining. So somehow he kind of shambles towards protecting the good and punishing the evil exactly. in these very, like, roundabout, oblique ways every show.
1: Usually by burning developers to death
2: yeah a lot of that uh, there, he he kills
1: a lot of people who are involved in, in real estate development mm-hmm. uh, because who else is going to threaten a swamp really at the end of the day uh, basically the, the evil schist development corporation slash oil corporation they do a lot of stuff they're building an airport too for several issues oh
2: man they're 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 bad folks i don't know why you build an airport in a swamp but
1: and swamp thing ends up with friends uh man thing uh, man thing mm-hmm. sorry ends up with friends he's yeah. got uh, rory the radio dj oh yeah <laughs> Who kind of becomes the protagonist of the show, and you get the sense that Steve Gerber really just
2: wanted to be a radio DJ. Yeah. And so he's. The got glamour of being a, a Florida FM DJ in the 70s, you huge, know. Huge. 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 Unstoppable. Uh, so,
1: yeah, so it's a show about man thing today. Um, we are always, always invested in finding and celebrating Canadian content here on Waffles. And I have to say, finding songs related to swamps and muck monsters and Canadian content was a bit of a stretch, but. I happened to find a really great recording studio in Lucan, Ontario called a Swamp Song and um, they've recorded all sorts of acts over the years and so we're going to be playing some stuff recorded at Swamp Songs because we can technically say these songs were recorded in a swamp in a swamp and we're back to the man thing tie so we are going to be playing a track Take 5 by the TVDSB Honor Jazz Band I can't remember what TVDSB stands for but there's going to be the it's going to be a high school folks um, so their, their, their take on Take 5 after that great Canadian band Timber Tame and uh, their, their track oh, Swamp
2: Magic and uh jeremy's
1: brought in a bunch of songs that relate to man
2: and things um just uh, on the last on duke ellington there uh, yeah th- this week i was hipped to uh cab calloway uh you know fellow 30s jazz sensation of and duke. jargon superstar yeah his hepcats dictionary um so uh, I wanted to share a couple entries from that. Is this a legit printed dictionary? Y- like uh, yes, there was a legit printed copy. Ooh. 1938, Cab Calloway's uh, Hipster's Dictionary. I have sources from the always wonderful openculture.com, which I wonder collects this type s- of stuff. I wonder if it's a volume that's slim enough that I could fit it in a jacket pocket and have it ready for easy reference. I would hope so if you're at some kind of hipster bash where you're beating the gums with hepcats. Beating the beating gums. Beating the gums? Yeah, beating your chops. That means talking a lot. So we beat our chops here on Waffles. Today. We're beating
1: yeah. our chops all day, folks.
2: Mm-hmm. We've got our boots on. We which means we know what it's all about. We are a hepcat. We are wise. We don't got our glasses on, which means we are ritzy or snooty and fail to recognize our friends. But I am wearing glasses. I am. I was too. I feel like glasses are probably the sort of thing that may have been kind of ritzy a century ago. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, you've got glasses. I bet you have running water. What (laughs) could you a fancy boy with your high pockets and your glasses? Probably. Um, the movie uh what is it idiocracy yep extremely problematic in a lot of ways some definite critiques but one running joke in that movie i think is hilarious is that the main character speaks in like totally normal american suburban english and everyone acts like he's william shakespeare It was like he's like can i get a hamburger and it was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so yeah all sorts
1: of swamp and man and thing music so closing off this set uh the tragically hip and a beautiful thing Beauty. A beautiful thing, which the Man-Thing is not.
2: Uh, The Man-Thing
1: is a terrifying muck monster.
2: Uh, Not to, you know, some of his friends, though. Not to, like, plucky swamp children that that don't see with, you know, our jaded eyes. That don't have their glasses on and are able to see the intrinsic, dare I say, humanity of the the, Man-Thing.
1: They see the child inside the Man-Thing. This is the TVDSB Honor Jazz Band, recorded at Swamp Studio in Lucan, Ontario. And take five on CFRC. Magically hip here on CFRC. A beautiful thing from In Violet Light in 2002. Uh, Matt and Jeremy here. Nice. It is a show about the man thing. Ted Salas, uh, the the shambling muck monster of the swamps. Mm -hmm. Whoever knows fear burns the touch of the man thing. Uh, In about 25 minutes, whoever knows um, whoever doesn't support wage equity Mm -hmm. will burn at the touch of 15 in fairness. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I think that's your new log line. (laughs) Redo the website, guys. <laughs> Whoever does not support wage equity will burn at the touch of 15 in fairness. Um, we, are, we, are, we are ratcheting up the rhetoric around this a little bit. Uh, yeah, so someone's going to be in to talk about that in about 25 minutes. Yeah, Doug Nesbitt. Um, um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about that and how it was going super great for a while and now it's not. Uh, now the provincial government has changed and things are
2: worse. Uh, yeah, things are worse in the short term. I'm pretty optimistic uh, long term. Excellent. Uh, because as a leftist, uh, that's you either have to be or you get really better. But I do think there are some positive reasons for optimism, which hopefully Doug and I will get into when when he comes. Uh, Doug the gas, not Doug D- Ford. Doug the gas, not Doug okay. Ford. Uh, Doug Doug Ford wanted to be here, but uh, yeah, no, you know, he was last
1: minute. Very busy doing something dumb. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but other other than that, it's pretty much just stuff about swamps.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to things
1: in, and things, swamps and things and men and things and and swamps and things airports uh, in florida so we are going to be diving into another song from a swamp uh, swamp song uh the cedar sisters and i drove
2: all night which is of course a cover by uh, roy orbison roy orbison is interesting with the covers because like dude has one of like the five greatest voices in pop music history you could argue and in terms of instantly recognizable voices too it's like a johnny cash thing where you, you know you know when yep. you hear roy orbison yet he's frequently covered oh yeah um which I think is fine. I mean, people have a go, but I mean, it's quite a mountain to scale if you're going to tackle something like I Drove All Night, so.
1: Well, same category, but not not really one of the great voices, one of the great songwriters. I know more John Prine covers mm-hmm. than I know John Prine songs. Yeah, uh, I know so many great John Prine, so many songs that I love. Like, uh, I fell in love in kind of late teens, university era, the Leslie Spitt Trio doing Angel from Montgomery. Oh, that, that name takes me back. And like 15 years
2: later, I'm like, oh, that's a John Prine song. Why did the Leslie Spit Trio spell it like tree that grows in Brooklyn, like T-R-E-E-O? I think you'd have to
1: ask them. I know Leslie Spitt is an area of Toronto. Okay. Perhaps there was a tree that grew there. That makes sense. A tree grows in Toronto. Trees grow in swamps. They do. And you know who else grows in the swamp? The man thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Cedar Sisters, and I drove all night. If you drive all night, you could probably get to Florida... By this time tomorrow maybe you're listening to the show right now after
2: an epic eight-hour road trip
1: and uh, maybe you are going to encounter a shambling muck monster after that the silver jews we could be looking for the same thing
2: mm-hmm. uh, as is the schist corporation yes so the schist corporation offers a, a lucrative bounty for anyone who can find and kill uh, the melancholy muck monster uh, so there are a lot of people traversing the swamps bumping into them uh, you notably see this in the uh, man thing movie f- of 2005 which yes. is i think arguably the least successful Successful Marvel movie of all time yeah yeah there's a there's at least one Punisher movie that did not do so well yeah I'm sure there's movies that lost more money because more money was spent on them fair uh, enough but in terms of just like sinking like like a swamp sinking without a trace except for a couple you know dark brownish bubbles um, that movie probably qualifies. I, you can definitely put in the category of low risk, low reward. We will, Yeah, I think we'll get into it a little bit oh, later we'll in the we show. we'll be playing the theme song yes. from the Man-Thing movie, Man-Thing
1: yeah. Lives Again, by Australian band something or other. It's a heavily Australian pub, uh, production all the way around. Uh, they they did not go on to fame and fortune, the Australian band that did Man-Thing
2: Lives Again. Not a lot of swamps in Australia, so I think a very poor choice for uh, making the Man-Thing movie. It doesn't have the vibe. No, they would have wanted to record a song about the coast thing, mm-hmm. or perhaps the outback Outback thing. thing. OPAC thing would be a cool... That would be great. Yeah, there could be like an Avengers-style group of like Tundra thing, Outback thing. We,
1: we may have to do a story break on sort of, you know, different things around the world. Yeah, I think that'd be rad. The, uh, the sifting sand monster. Uh, the Outback thing. Uh, and we're going to close it off. Grant Lee Phillips and Josephine of the Swamps. I don't think there was a Josephine and Man thing, but there was a huge cast of characters over time.
2: The, the car we had when I was a kid, which was like a 1980-something Toyota Corolla, was called Josephine. Oh,
1: and when, when the car got old, you abandoned it in the
2: swamps. So <laughs> I don't it's, remember what happened. All coming back because you abandoned it in the swamp. Probably. My dad Uh, told me that we took it to a farm upstate. (laughs) There you go. It's happy with all the other cars
1: now. Uh, So this is the Cedar Sisters. I drove all night here on CFRC. I had to escape.
5: your arms open wide this fever for you was just burning me up inside I drove on
4: way out past where the sidewalks disappear and up through bright blue blocks of sky
6: Swing sure. Jesus.
1: love canoeing, kayaking, and the great outdoors, you should check out the Cataraqui Canoe Club. For over 50 years, this nonprofit organization has been dedicated to exploring the waterways of the Frontenac and surrounding areas, as well as hiking, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, and more. We host trips almost every weekend in the summer, as well as open paddle nights from our boathouse by the woolen mill twice a week. Learn more about the club, including how to join and our upcoming expeditions at catarachicanoe.on.ca. See you on the water. and you're listening to waffles on cfrc 101.9 fm i need to re-record that it's dot canoe.ca now okay and if you Update want to paddle if you want to paddle into the swamps and look for a macabre man thing right here
2: in kingston that's the club for you you'll definitely probably see at least a turtle it gets marshy up there oh Once it's hollow marsh oh yeah no yeah. no there,
1: there could be a man thing uh,
2: yeah i don't know living under a the bridge thing. over the 401 there exactly yeah. oh, a
1: limestone thing
2: yeah <laughs> um so yeah no
1: this is waffles it is it is an, it is not quite an all-man thing thing show today because we're we'll going to be talking about fifteen and fairness in a few minutes. Uh coming up another great track from a uh, Swamp Studio in Lucan, Ontario, and this is uh The Marrieds and Fingers Crossed. Uh actually it was great. I found them. I actually emailed them using the contact form on the website and said, hey kind of a weird story but blah 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 blah, do a radio show blah Mm -hmm. blah blah man Mm -hmm. thing blah blah blah, name your studio guy got back to me in a few hours and was like here's a bunch of tracks you'll probably enjoy
2: cool so the the person who runs swamp studios yeah
1: so i've spent a little money on Bandcamp. i've uh maybe pulled a couple things off youtube and yeah no so huge shout out to them uh doing doing god's work out there in lucan ontario absolutely recording the people of lucan and surrounding area and probably from far flung i would guess yeah um and what a dream
2: right like to have your own recording studio yeah, there's worse things that you could do with your life for sure. Well,
1: go to the swamp, get killed, turn into a shambling muck monster. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. Series
2: of bad choices. Though. Yeah, he's unhappy. That's the thing. He has no like But he's not un- he's not anything. But like the way it's painted, I don't know. He seems bummed. Because it like returns <laughs> to his true. misery of the swamp and whatever. He That's true. Seem- that yeah. I mean there are a lot of sort of prose passages where people will look deep into the man thing's eyes and see like the
1: screaming torment of the man it once was mm-hmm. and so on and mm-hmm. so forth.
2: It's purple prose passages, I would argue. Yes.
1: So, as Ted Salas was once married to the traitor, Ellen Salas, Oof. we're going to be playing a track by The Marrieds, fingers crossed. a uh, strong connection. And Metallica and the thing that should not be, and mm-hmm. this this should have been the theme. If they'd had Metallica budget, this should have been the theme
2: for the Man-Thing movie. Absolutely. Uh, you had the lyrics pulled up a minute ago. It is it is crazy
1: yeah, how appropriate I,
2: everybody, the song is. You get a real listen to, you know, I'm guessing James Hetfield's tormented lyrics on this track because they... they uh, they talk about the man thing: struggle basically
1: uh and this is also our segue into the 15 and fairness conversation because our fingers are crossed Uh
2: for the medium to long term and what is the thing that should not be bill 47 which is the most anti-worker piece of legislation in ontario since mike harris was riding high so
1: so uh we are going to be unpacking that when we come back but right now this is the marrieds and fingers crossed here on cfrc I think it's safe to say we are pumped for this conversation after that track.
2: Um, Yeah. Okay, yeah, so we have the pleasure of being joined by a fellow organizer with Fight for 15 and Fairness Kingston, Doug Nesbitt. Good morning, Doug. Hi, thanks for having me on. How did you like that Metallica? That was great. That's what I need in the morning. I (laughs) think there's only one word for that, and that was rad Uh, thrashing. (laughs) Yeah, guys, what is the thing that should not be? Yeah, what is the thing that should not be, Doug? Bill 47. Right. So as we get started... Uh, Can you uh, share with everybody out there listening what exactly Kingston Fight for Fairness,
7: 15 and Fairness is? (laughs) Uh, Basically a grassroots group of people who live in town. We've got students. We've got uh, working people. Uh, we've got uh, trade unionists and uh, kind of a crew of people who've been campaigning since April 2016 for the $15 minimum wage, paid sick days, you know, improvement to scheduling laws, uh, equal pay for equal work for part-timers and casuals. So those sort of labor reforms, and we won a whole bunch of them in uh, late 2017 uh, with Bill 148, but we have a new government, so that has all been repealed uh, just this past week with Bill 47 passed by the new Ontario government, the Tory government.
2: So what does that mean? What are the ramifications now of Bill 47 going through this week?
7: Well, for the minimum wage, uh, that means it's frozen. So it was going to go up to 15 bucks in January. Yeah, so, just six weeks, basically. Yeah, so they cut it pretty close there. But they canceled the $15 increase, so that would have gone up a dollar. And they've frozen it for, if I remember correctly, Uh, until 2020 so it's they're freezing the minimum wage until 2020 then they're gonna bump the minimum wage up each year based on inflation so something like 2025 is when it would actually get to $15 so there's a kind of we can wait set we were Six weeks or seven years. That Mm -hmm. was kind of the decision that uh, the Tories made. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas indeed. Uh, We lost uh, two paid sick days, which every worker in Ontario had. In fact, we were the first province to have. Paid sick days for every worker. So, no other province has that. Uh, and, you know, unless it's bargained into a union contract. But this was for everybody, including, uh, you know, the, the people right at the bottom of the wage scale with the, the crappiest jobs. Uh, we lost uh, stuff like. Um, uh, on call uh, provisions. So if you're on call for a while, for something I think 24 hours, and you weren't called into work, you still get paid for three hours. Uh, we lost the equal. This one's huge. The equal pay for part time and casuals. So you know, my one of my first jobs was working in a grocery store, and I came in part time. Uh, this was the Harris minimum wage, and it was 6.85 an hour, and the full timers were getting paid, you know, something like 14 or 15 bucks an hour. It was a union grocery store, even. And uh, those, uh, the Bill 148 equal pay law would have changed that. So you can't pay a full timer more than a part timer for the same amount of work. People had to be paid equally, and that wasn't just you know a, uh, a a kind of a general fairness thing. That that was a huge. Uh, blow on kind of structural sexism and racism that's mm-hmm. in the workplace because, you know, women carry this huge burden for raising children and, and keeping families together. And so they are more often involved in part-time work. And so they're being structurally paid less, it has this whole component to it. Same with racialized people. All the data is there; it all bears it all out pretty clearly. So that was a huge victory, and and that's what the Tories also rolled back, and that of course uh, had ramifications all through, not just uh, uh, non-union workplaces, but into to union contracts, because a lot of union workers in this uh, province don't have things like that, uh, like equal pay for equal work. Uh, like I said, my first one of my first jobs was a union contract where I was being paid less per hour for <laughs> than a full-timer for doing the same work. So we had, we had a whole bunch of uh, things that we won there, um, and but they were rolled back. I mean, it was a pretty big bill. It was the biggest kind of advance in labor rights in the province since the early 90s under the NDP. Mm-hmm. All that was rolled back under Harris. So <laughs> we've got this, um, you know, the Tories coming in twice now in the last 20 years and just completely erasing any advances. And, and from what I remember about the Harris stuff and, and my own research on it, some of those uh, rollbacks in 95 took stuff all the way back to the 50s. So that's, that's kind of like Ford's starting point. <laughs> what are 1950s labor relations? Let's, let's keep in the 50s. And it's like, the you know, work has changed. Society has changed. Uh, the demands that people have for uh, what's going on uh, like you know we got to challenge inequality we got to challenge the proliferation of kind of insecure low-wage work uh, and and kind of injustices in the workplace how to actually combat those sort of things because they happen pretty systematically uh, uh, what we've lost with bill one or bill 47 is a lot of provisions that that countered that that we really needed which we fought for I think uh, it was a pretty amazing victory that we actually extracted that out of the liberals but it shows you know a setback setbacks are real but it doesn't mean we're going to keep going so yeah
2: i mean obviously i think it's a story of a big win and then a big loss so i mean what's the lesson we can take from this i mean you you know the cynical person would say uh, given that you've narrated two major victories for workers in the past 25 years in this province, both being destroyed by conservative governments, like, you know, what's the point, you know? As Homer Simpson says, the lesson never try, you know? And <laughs> what do you have to say about about that possibility?
7: Well, it's, it's pretty common, but I think we've, you know, we've kind of cut against it. We have this example of a campaign that did extract something out of the Liberals. When the Liberals were elected in 2011, won that majority, they weren't even looking at the $15 minimum wage. They made concessions to, you know, let's look at uh, what we can do for changing the labor laws. You know, there's a bit of a Hail Mary there with their politics. They knew they were, on, they were likely to be uh, tossed out of office, so they're trying to offer people stuff. So caught between their uh, political fortunes and then us actually building a campaign and maintaining pressure on them. We were able, over a few years, to take $15 from a kind of like pie-in-the-sky demand that people said it would be nice, but how on earth are you going to get it? And, uh, you know, now a majority of the province actually supports it. You have like two-thirds of the people. There's even a poll showing 40% of Ford voters supported the $15 minimum wage, so it's a pretty substantial—so we were able to shift the the kind of— uh, people's views on things and right. in doing so actually build a campaign that can kind of exert pressure and do popular education and and uh, give people a place to go to actually take part as opposed to, you know, just watching what's going on and humming and hawing about it.
2: And in terms of that shift, uh, do you, can you comment briefly on the legislation the Trudeau government's uh, putting forward uh, with regards to federally
7: regulated workers, which is about 900,000 workers in Canada? So. That I'm not super familiar on, but I definitely know that it's been... Is it a fifteen dollar minimum wage I believe so yeah, yeah. it 's a lot
2: of what was in bill one forty eight but for federal workers, which I thought was an interesting move politically in a government that we know that can be very anti labor as we 've seen with its handling of the postal strike this week
7: absolutely i I do think it 's political posturing it 's about shoring up uh, their support against the conservatives because it 's plain for everyone to see that the Ford Tories and the sheer Tories federally and you know like what 's going on in Alberta with the Kenny conservatives they 're all out gunning for. Trudeau, and they mm-hmm. want to turf the Liberals in the next federal election. And the Liberals have turned around and clearly positioned themselves as like, we are the champions of workers. Uh, as you said, there's some, <laughs> there's some opportunism and hypocrisy in that. But I do remember in the 2015 federal campaign, it was the NEP uh, kind of under that popular pressure pushing a $15 minimum wage federally, and, and Trudeau just flatly said no to it. So he, even Trudeau can feel which way the wind is blowing on this issue. So I, I think that's one of the great achievements of we, is we've shifted the, uh, the kind of political culture enough that these parties who are not always friends to working people and often aren't uh, actually see it as politically uh, intelligent and smart for them to actually endorse these demands.
1: Can can we take sort of a step back and a step up uh, who who is a minimum wage worker in Canada because I think there's sort of a casual perception that oh it's high school students
7: it's fun money it's people doing stuff part time but that's not really the case No that that's um there's all sorts of uh, I mean if you you can go uh, do your internet research do your googling but basically um, we're seeing like a third 40 50% depending on the province of people earning the minimum wage are actually women over 35. There is an increasing number of seniors who are working uh, minimum wage jobs. If we expand that category to like, um, uh, like $15 and below on the minimum wage, then, then you see that category of people, uh, over 20 people who aren't students, people over 35, those categories get even bigger. Uh, it's, uh, there 's a bit of a myth around it being a student, and I think that that 's definitely used politically by the business lobby and by kind of friendly forces they have in politics and in the media and and That myth is definitely perpetuated I mean, when i all the minimum wage jobs i 'm working i 'm not working just with students, like whether it 's construction or labor or retail. there are a lot of people you know have families have kids are you know collecting a pension even and they're trying to make some extra money and the jobs that they get slotted into uh, that are available are minimum wage jobs high turnover you can get those jobs
2: Okay. I think the other big myth about the minimum wage uh, that was perpetuated was that uh, that per- disproportionately hurts small businesses when we raise the minimum wage. And if you actually look at the research, the people who drive minimum wage employment in this province are the largest corporations, not the smallest businesses. And it's people like Loblaws, it's people like Tim Hortons, McDonald's that, that push this. Small businesses are actually quite often uh, invested in paying their workers a bit more because they value things like customer service relationships, tur- uh, lower turnover, training. And what we saw from the economic data that we did have is that jobs in Ontario were growing. Uh, inequality was lessening. There was a, a large j- jump in wages and, and prosperity at the very lowest sector of the of the labor market, and that's all these things that that these
7: reforms were designed to do. Yeah, even hours worked increased yeah. over the year that the legislation was in. So, I believe
2: all, even hours worked in the restaurant sector. Yeah, increased. the restaurant
7: sector was deemed to be the that's where the big disaster was going to happen, but it didn't. It didn't happen. Uh, and and that the point about the corporations is really important. Like they they're the ones who are the major threat to small businesses. Uh, we, we've been through this mm-hmm. uh, many times, and we've seen what happens when a Walmart, for example, moves into a town. It just annihilates small business because it has that you know, ability to buy and even command prices from manufacturers and uh, suppliers to just undercut competition, uh, in our conversations uh, with people objecting about what might happen to small business, you always have to raise questions of like, well, are they renting from commercial landlords? What, are, what prices are the commercial, or rents rather, are the, the landlords commanding? So there are all sorts of factors. Labour costs are one of several. And uh, from what we know, speaking to small business people, it's anywhere from like 25 to 30% of the actual ca- operating costs. So you got to ask questions about, you know, the remaining 70, 75% of what they're spending their money on.
1: So we've talked around this a bit. We know it's not just high school students that are minimum wage workers and you've sort of mentioned other fields, but it's also not just counter work at fast food restaurants. It's all sorts of jobs that are being
7: done at minimum wage. Yes. That's a really important thing. And that's where I, I, another, that's another myth. That's another myth where, uh, these are all, you know, burger flippers or, (laughs) you know, cashiers, uh, there's a huge section of the education system and the healthcare system that are paying uh, minimum wage or close to minimum wage with very few benefits. Uh, the whole home care sector, for example, uh, PSWs, personal support workers, who are taking care of people outside of hospitals, they are paid virtually at minimum wage, uh, and they're super exploited. Uh, and that—that's that's the trend in healthcare: is moving care outside of the hospitals. So that's a whole sector that's grown up since Harris was in power in the last 25 years. And it's still a hugely low wage sector, very poorly unionized because it's the laws make it so difficult to unionize them. Uh, people who clean uh, all of our buildings across the province are largely non-union and they're being paid minimum wage, even the unionized uh, cleaners in like Ottawa and Toronto where the, you know the unions are relatively strong they're still being paid uh quite low they're not they're not cracking like 17 18 dollars an hour um, the other thing with uh, with only focusing on the minimum wage
2: although it's key that we have to remember with people that are in lower wage employment and insecure employment is the things that bill 148 did in terms of equal pay that you mentioned earlier and so in a lot of these sectors that we're talking about healthcare construction home care uh, education. People are increasingly being used as temporary and contract labor uh, because they can be funneled in and out cheaper. Um, I think the Toronto Star reported a couple of years ago that over fifty percent of workers in the GTA are precariously employed now. So this is the no, you know normal employment now. We ha- we need to get away from uh, considering a forty-hour week and benefits normal because no longer uh, are most employers interested in providing that. So we need to to organize around what we do have. And, you know, the the provisions for equal pay for the same work and, uh, you know, to incentivize uh, temporary employers to actually hire people full time, which is what Bill 148 did. Those are important. Those were good incentives. And uh, and those, again, have been stripped Mm -hmm. um, by this by this legislation. And honestly, Doug, I think you'll agree. Like we've seen this movie before. I mean, we've seen it in Ontario. We've seen it all across the United States And, and keeping workers poor. Uh, is is bad for our economy it 's bad for our sense of a political community and it 's bad for our health
7: yeah it 's bad for us uh, yeah it 's pr- quite remarkable the there 's a really tragic example of this uh the fiera uh, foods Factory mm-hmm. in Toronto there was a temp a casual temp worker who i just a couple weeks ago lost their life and on the job uh really disgusting and ugly you know, tragic uh, industrial accident. And this factory is in the news because there have been several deaths of these uh, workers, um, often women, racialized, uh, over the last decade or so. And it's like many manufacturing and logistics companies now in Ontario where they bring in tons of temp workers and they can pay temp workers the minimum wage and then you know the temp agency is skimming off that as well so these workers are super exploited they're high turnover and uh, the companies don 't care about them the equal pay
2: the companies also aren 't um, uh, responsible yeah. for like their occupational health and safety for the, so this person dying is not going to change their rates it 's not going to change their insurance so, or their status uh, and that 's another thing, but one forty eight changed yeah. it made you liable for what happened in your workplace with the workers that you had hired you could despair. you can
7: have people dying on your shop floor, but because They are technically employed by the temp agency. That doesn't hit your stats or your reputation legally. Or the money you have to pay. Yeah, yeah, on employment or what you pay out to those workers. And that equal pay legislation that was part of Bill 148, that meant that those workers on, on, on the factory line or on the shop floor doing warehouse or whatever who are temp workers, they... Would have to be paid the same as the guy who's been there for a while and may, might have a union contract. And it made no sense for them, for the companies then, to go through the temp agencies. They just hire them directly, bring them in house. And then, in fact, there was a little bump there in warehousing and manufacturing where thousands of workers are now being <laughs> folded into collective agreements because they were outside of scope up until that point because of what the temp agencies were doing. And, uh, you know, Bill forty-seven under the four Tories is like no, 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 no. We we want uh, temporary employment. We want this super exploitative. We want a a, a, a a labor market that's actually structured for low wages and structured for employers to to get away with this sort of stuff. So it's not just uh, you know a battle of it's definitely not a battle about like facts or opinions it's a straight up uh power play by the tories on behalf of a pretty craven business lobby wow they've been really aggressive over the last couple of years
2: so um what's next for five for 15 in fairness i mean obviously this is a huge l uh so are, is this over are we done
7: it's a huge you know it's definitely a setback but uh i don't think I think it's a good learning experience because I think the people who have been through this, uh, whether you've been, you know, got activated in the last few weeks around the prospect of this being lost or you're like me and a lot of other people who've been plugging away at this now for, uh, you know, a year, or two or three uh, or longer. uh, We've pulled together kind of a movement. We have organization locally around the province. Uh, We've been able to do stuff like coordinated protests in, you know, 30, 40 cities and towns including Kingston. So I think if we stick together and we see that uh, we have, you know, the possibility of taking on local employers and, and training people and educating people about uh, what they can do and talking to unions about uh, what organizing possibilities there might be in town. I think that uh, we have some legs, but uh, we definitely uh, need to learn from what's just happened. Uh, it's a pretty harsh lesson, but it's a really valuable one. So I think what we've learned together and what we've done together has, has been really helpful. So if people want to find out more or get involved, what can they do? Great question. Uh, contact us at for 15 at gmail.com. That's our main email address. 1515? We'll, uh, 15, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, also just On Facebook, you can find us, Kingston Fight for 15 and Fairness. Just do Fight for 15. And also, we have a Twitter account, YGK, or at YGK, uh, Fight for 15. That's the the Kingston airport code, I think. So, yeah, you can find us social media and email, and uh, we will get back in touch with you really quickly. We're friendly people. We like having a coffee and chatting, and and it's kind of like what we do. And we we will be having meetings. We have to figure out what we're going to do if you're
2: having trouble in, on the job uh, or are frustrated at work, we are people who really understand. And it's great to come out uh, and talk to, to fellow workers. So uh, that's a really great avenue for anybody who, who's just frustrated with what's happening at their workplace.
7: Definitely. We we hear the stories, you know, the Tim Hortons workers in town, the StarTech workers. We've heard those stories out petitioning for $15. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of us have some chops in workplace organizing. We know the law a little bit. Some of us are union organizers. Uh, we, can, um, we can help out, and you can take part.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much, Doug.
7: You're welcome. Thanks, right. Doug. Thanks we're, for having me.
1: We're going to get back to some music. Uh, this is someone who knows a thing or two about, well, all sorts of things. Uh, Swamp Dog, brand new album, Love, Loss, and Auto-Tune, and this is Lonely on CFRC. Dance Music Oddity from the mid-1990s. That was the Grid and Swamp Thing, which was super popular if you went to dance clubs around 1994, 1995.
2: Uh, basically, techno and banjo. That was high energy, and I mean hi nrg. Yes. Uh, and not not formally related to the DC Comics character
1: Swamp Thing. Uh, we are, of course, doing an episode oh. of Waffles Today. Well, I mean, a great diversion into 15 mm. in fairness, but broadly speaking in the context of the shambling muck monster, the Man-Thing. Yeah. Uh, so one of the most interesting things to come out of Man-Thing is, as mentioned, you're trying to write a comic book about a character that has no agency, no intelligence, no motivation. No ambition. So you just start creating a surrounding cast of vibrant characters. Mm-hmm. And you also make the environment he lives in a interdimensional nexus. Yeah. So all sorts of stuff comes through. Jennifer Kale, Sorceress, uh, the, e- the Evil Wizards, oh, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, S- runaway Circus Clowns. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. The, the one thing that popped out of Man-Thing and caught fire and became much more popular than Man-Thing was another Steve Gerber creation called Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. And Howard the Duck uh, ran for president, I think, 1976, 1978. There was a fairly popular... He was kind of... It's one of those college campuses, man. Mm-hmm. Wacky. How many people can we get in this phone booth? Exactly. This 23 was, skidoo. This was the Harvard Lampoon era. Sure. And Howard the Duck caught fire there was a super popular howard the duck comic there were howard the duck buttons howard the duck was everywhere for a while there was even in the 1980s a terrible howard the duck movie Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have tracked down the theme song for the howard the duck movie oh
2: i remember this song this song is terrible
1: the entire soundtrack and this song. Do you know who did this? No. Thomas Dolby. R- Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Right? You just
2: blinded me with knowledge. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah,
1: we're going to be playing the Howard the Duck theme. Uh, and again, if you are interested in the rich tapestry of Man-Thing, uh, you will quickly find yourself diverged into the rich tapestry of Howard the Duck and the social satire of 1970s comics. Mm-hmm. It was a wacky time. His his, his The Doctor Doom... Of, of Howard the Duck Doct- was Dr. Bong mm. who had a giant bell on his head which went bong. Subtle. Exactly. Oh so it was definitely not about recreational drug use. No not at all okay. wink. Uh, yeah. There was absolutely no it was anyway Howard the Duck's a whole other thing but it does give us an excuse to play a little Thomas Dolby and the Howard the Duck theme on the show which is what we're going to do. After that uh, Peter Rabbit and a track called Man Thing this is something I found literally by looking for songs about Man Thing uh, American rockabilly performer who in the middle of one of his albums straight up just records an entire song about man thing this is from the 2016 album rarebit bloody rarebit and uh, after that i don't know is Um,
2: is man thing i would say man thing's the second most rockabilly superhero I, i would say number one is obviously ghost rider because he has a motorbike yeah, and a leather jacket. Yeah, I think that's,
1: that's fair. But there's yeah. a lot of iterations of Ghost Rider. So there's kind of, there's sort of the 1990s kind
2: of a Kawasaki Ghost Rider, yeah. which is a very different vibe. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like maybe a Japanese rockabilly vibe. Well, it, it, rockabilly culture is huge in Japan. That's that's fair. Uh, but it's not the classic Johnny Blaze. Classic 1970s Friends with Jesus think, Ghost Rider. I think
1: next time you're back, we should do a Ghost Rider show. Oh. We could really unpack Ghost Rider, man. There's been a lot of Ghost
2: Riders over the years. I actually dig Ghost Rider quite a bit. That Ghost might be a lot of fun
1: ghost rider 2099 the cyber ghost rider who rode on the web no oh yeah no it
2: was a whole it was a whole cyber he just surfed he literally surfed the web exactly he was he was
1: he was he was he was out in the physical world on his his high-tech motorcycle but the main thing was all about hacking Mm. it was it was the 90s folks Mm -hmm. uh so we're gonna play a little thomas dolby howard the duck man thing by peter rarebit and then from swamp songs uh kiss from a rose as performed by the stratford central vocal chorus Are you ready?
2: Ready as I'll ever be. This
1: is Howard the Duck on CFRC.
5: Pleasure, my pain, baby. To me, you're like a grown addiction that I can't deny. Won't you tell me, is that healthy, babe? Do. But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large and the light that you shine can't be seen? baby, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the it feels yeah and now that your rose is in bloom a light hits the gloom on the gray A man can tell Tell you so much He can say You remain My power, my pleasure, my pain Baby To me you're like a grown addiction That I can't deny Won't you tell me Is that healthy, babe? But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large, and the light that you shine can't be seen? Baby, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray. The more I get of you, the stranger it feels, yeah. And now that your rose is in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the gray. Paraya, parampa, da, paraya. Paraya, parampa, da, paraya. And now that your rose is in blue, a light hits the gloom on the
1: gray. Bow. Ba-ba-bum. CFRC uh, waffles on CFRC. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our Man Thing show. Thank you for being here, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. And I think we've settled on the next opportunity.
2: It's the Ghost Rider Show. Mm, the Ghost Rider Show does I, sound strong.
1: I feel like I'm running up on an entire spin off <laughs> radio program, which is just semi not, I mean, Ghost Rider's not super obscure. Like movie and a sequel. When, you're, when you've got Nicolas Cage, it's the title character. I don't think you can safely say it's obscure anymore. Those are good but, movies. But, you know, not quite your not not the avengers although ghost rider has been an avenger sure briefly everyone pretty much has at this point and he hung out with jesus which i don't think that is true. i don't think iron man did i ran a blog that ran for about a month back in uh back in the early 2000s called comics were always dumb mm. which is people are like ah oh, they're ruining comics look mm-hmm. at this dumb thing they're doing because like, guys it's all comics have always been stupid
2: you could do that for pro wrestling too
1: oh Very probably similar dynamic um so yeah we're gonna be closing it off uh, after this set i think we got we got the fall coming up telephone thing peter rarebit gave you a
2: good fall vibe mm-hmm yeah. yeah I thought that was actually very similar to you know the fall does have a skewed take on rockabilly that Marky Smith returns to over and over uh always different always the same in the words of John Peel and and I think honestly Marky Smith if you're like who's the rock star equivalent of the man thing I think he That's I think he fits. Fair. Right? He doesn't he has yep. no ambition. Yep. Uh, you know, he's unkillable un, until you know, career wise until well, he tragically died last year. But yes. for a long time he, no, was, he was unstoppable. Yep. Sixty different band members, you know, million different record labels and Uh, he scared a lot of people in British music. And if you
1: knew fear, you would burn at the touch of Marquis Smith.
2: I absolutely am convinced you would. He's
1: Manchester's man thing. Yep. A lot of of venues were left, left burning in his wake because somebody, concert promoter, sound man, Mm -hmm. audience member, someone, often
2: band member. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He would burn through band members. Uh, yeah, I have a book called The Fallen, which is one of my favorite music books of all time, in which the author tracks down at every living former Fall member. They get they get through like 90% of them and just interview them. What was it like? What are you doing now? And it's like right. this like special club of people who have recorded albums and toured with Marky Smith. Mostly that. whom are just rocking back and forth and weeping quietly now. Uh, quite a few, yeah. Um,
1: uh, so The Fall and Marky Smith, again, it's that, it's that style of kind of find a good guitar riff, mm-hmm.
2: keep it really spare and sparse. And then kind of talk over it. Now, I believe this one has kind of a Lisa Stansfield vibe, too. Because they had a kind of 90s dance music thing that the Fall did for a while. So this will be fun. Nice. And after that, you have brought us in uh, some Sonic Youth. Cool thing. Yep. The Man Thing
1: is a cool thing. Absolutely. Is there a cooler thing than the Man Thing? The Man Thing's been frozen periodically, too. Every Oof. once in a while, they'll be like, Iceman. The X-Men will go down to the swamps to investigate something. Okay. I just, one of the great things about Man Thing is... Over time, Marvel Comics has found reasons for pretty much every single superhero to go to the Florida Everglades. And when you think about, you know, normal folk not that many people go to the Florida. I mean, if you're looking at the global population, probably, yeah, not that
2: many reasons to go to the Everglades. Superheroes do travel a lot and it is the nexus of all realities. So yes. It's, just, it's not your average, you know, swamp. No, that's true. So the man thing has been frozen. So the man thing has literally been a cool thing. And it's pretty cool out there today, everyone, although it is supposed to rain later today. Uh, that's true.
1: Uh, and after that, we're going to be closing it off and leading into Hugh's folk, everything apologies, Hugh with Azure and man thing lives again. The title track to the 2005 film man thing with Jeremy i watched a few weeks ago Uh, i think we realized as the song was playing that howard the duck is probably actually the single greatest marvel cinematic failure yeah uh, in terms of profit to loss
2: and man thing was probably the least ambitious cinematic failure it is actually true to the spirit of the man thing in that movie has no ambitions it was uh, only premiered theatrically i believe in like russia singapore maybe saudi arabia and like one other country it was you know yeah, not even Australia. No, it was it was it was sub sci-fi original. Like, yeah, it was just way down there. Its ambition was to be shown on Sci-Fi at two a.m., and I think it met that goal. Uh, the the
1: only character in there I recognized was the the lead woman in the Man Thing film goes on to be Trish Walker in the Jessica Jones Netflix.
2: Show. Uh, the person who plays the uh, slow-witted sheriff who gets murdered in the swamp also becomes uh, Steve McGarrett in the Hawaii Five-O reboot, which oh. I was a massive fan of for many years. I did not know that. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Many reasons to check out the man thing movie he's also australian as is most of the cast so you get to hear a lot of like b-list australian actors try to essay a floridian accent with hilarious value oh, yeah, results. it
1: is it is the <laughs> nexus of all accents <laughs> so, yeah the, the man <laughs> thing is located in the nexus of all accents it's incredible anyway we got to sign off uh, this is the fall and telephone thing this has been waffles for another week but we'll see you in seven days yeah thanks for being here jeremy thanks for having me have a good weekend everyone 15 in fairness Woo woo